2: see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan.
0: Thank you, and welcome, Sarah Ellen.
4: Thank you, Susan. How are you doing this evening?
0: Oh, I am enjoying the ever-changing delights of not only plants, but people who love plants.
4: Oh, amazing. Okay. Justine,
0: Justine was walking her dog and met another person walking a dog who invited us all over to dinner and who has an acre and a half that he is doing his best to plant with native plants.
4: Oh, marvelous. Oh. It's always
0: so, you know, stunning to hear about the big things that happen, but it's equally stunning to see one person's effort.
5: Oh, so
0: he so like He has like a little, um, like what I think of as a mini pickup, and he says he's brought over a, a thousand loads of soil there. It's a very steep hillside
4: Mm. Wow! So how I came been-
0: I came home, of course, <laughs> with some plants because peaches. <laughs> because peaches, it turns out, actually do much better than apples in our area. I don't know the Northeast is thought of as a big apple growing area, and it is, but peaches just do so well. I really recommend them for the home garden. And he has a purple-leaved, he calls it a stone peach. I said, yes, that's, those are the kinds of peaches you want because the deer won't eat them. They're too hard. He said, well, I can't eat them. He said, I said, yes, you can. You're a human being. You cook them. He had never tried to cook them. He just liked them okay. because they're so pretty. <laughs> Oh, and I, I, got, I got a Rosa rugosa adapted to the mountains. You know, they're a seaside plant. Wow. The big rugosa rose. The, the ones with the really yummy rose hips. So um, he, has, he has rugosas that will grow, not by the sea, but on a mountain slope. So I have one of those. And his non-native but big prize, because it's such fun, is a kusa dogwood, which bears edible fruit the size of big crab apples.
4: Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, they
0: look like crab apples when... He first offered one to me, I thought, oh, it's been frozen. It has frost on it, but it's not. It's just the way it looks. Oh,
2: that sounds so pretty.
0: Yeah. It's not like, oh, you got to taste this. This fruit is just staggeringly good. No, it's okay. It's fine. It's, it's you know, it's not bad. It's not super anything. It's just... All right, I'm definitely getting some vitamin C here, and probably a lot of fiber, mm. and it's it's a never gets really big, maybe thirty feet but it really spreads so wow. it can get like fifty feet across so beautiful and of course, it's the kind of tree that makes a canopy makes like an umbrella
4: hmm. wow, so. like you've
0: done a lot and a half. That's what's been going on here. What's been going on for you?
4: Oh, here we got our first snow today. It is snowing as we speak. And, um, oh, my gosh, it's snowing. Happens. We haven't even had frost yet. Yeah, yeah wow. it is snowing. Um, it, it is sticking on the ground, but it's not going to be like plow worthy, even though we are getting about three or four inches altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Yeah. Wow. wow. Amazing. Yeah.
5: Yay,
0: yay,
4: yay. And taking some pictures of animals in the snow and just, you know, <laughs> making sure that situated for the snow. Are those buckets that I thought were working actually working? And yay, they are. So,
3: yay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's a it's a a lovely time. There's like a a stillness I find that that comes. You know, the kind of thing that happens when the electricity goes out.
4: Mm-hmm. I do. You yeah. feel
0: that? Ah, oh, as as though you were holding your breath, but you weren't holding your breath, and you certainly didn't know you were. But you've exhaled, and there's yeah. that about the cold, finally settling, and it's like, ah, okay. Mm. I think it's why I like it in the winter. It's so non-demanding. And I know people who don't like the winter would say, are you crazy? Which is really horribly demanding.
4: (laughs) (gasps) Oh, my goodness. It's a different kind of task but it's not I agree, it's not as demanding. I don't feel the pressure of time in in the winter. So it's not demanding in that way. It there's a lot yeah. of space. there, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, I have a burning question. Do we have a guest
4: tonight? Oh? Do we, we do have a have... guest We do not. Um I was we I got not. a message at that the guest was sick, yeah.
0: Was it, yes. That's the message that I got as well. I said, "Well, gee, I got two messages. The first message message said that the, we we're, we're rescheduling the guest is sick, and the second message said the guest is sick." So I thought, hmm, perhaps the rescheduling didn't work.
4: Mm. Right. So what I So
0: let us let us um invite all of the ancestors. This is the opening of the gateway between those who are living and those who were living. This is why there are spooks and phantoms and ghosts on Halloween. The Day of the Dead, of course, is tomorrow. And this is not... um, An unhappy thing. It's a happy thing. It's it's a happy recollection of all of the people that we love that are now with us all the time in spirit. So I would like to propose that for the last half hour of the show, that everyone listening prepare in some way even if it's only in your mind a sacred space you could call it an altar if you want to but if that's offensive then just call it a secret space and in that sacred space bring in some way those who aren't here anymore, to that space. Perhaps you have a letter from them or a gift from them or a photograph of them or you write their name on a piece of birch bark or you put a plant that they especially liked, a food that was their favorite. Let it be a place of remembrance and gratitude that we are allowed to love so much, to love so many. And I'll remind us of all of this at 9 o'clock. So you can hang out with us until bed. Or you can come back. And we'll get ourselves situated for Halloween. Sawing. Mm. Mm. The gateway into the dark. There's no denying it now. You remember the song That we created here With Marie Summerwitz? Help And I love you Marie Wish you were here Turn me in your spiral press Till my sweet juices Flow
5: goddess Turning, turning
0: Turning
4: I've not heard that one before.
0: Oh, it was this time of the year. And we were pressing cider. And we had gathered with the intention of writing a chant. And Marie was here to help us. And we were novices at doing it. And she said, well, first you have to gather a basket of words. And so we did from all the things that we were experiencing. And then she said, now you have to take out the words you're not going to use, because chance, in fact, don't have a whole lot of words. So we uh, got down to the words that we most wanted to keep but all of this time we were fussing with her about this about the song she said well does not have to have a tune she said no the tune will come and we're like oh no no we can't believe that will happen no we have to have a tune how can we know what words to choose if we don't even have a tune she said no you choose the words first and then the tune comes and that first phrase is what really got us started you know turn me in your spiral press everywhere around the world any time you want to get something, you're probably going to use a screw press. A spiral press that allows a threaded thing to bring two things together to crush the grapes, crush the apples, crush the olives, make grape juice, make apple juice, make olive oil. Mm-hmm. Turn me in your spiral press Till my sweet juices flow, goddess,
4: Oh, I love that.
0: The wheel of the year is turning, turning, turning into darkness, mhm. <laughs> <sighs>
4: Fants are lovely, and that is so. Oh, thank you for sharing that. That's so lovely to know that right now at this time.
0: Yes, yes, this is this is the time. And I, th- I think it's that darkness that makes you and I feel ah, that that release, that relief. It's like okay. Like the same way that you feel it when you turn off the light. It's like ah,
1: time to rest. Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. The bears are still roaming around because we haven't had a frost. Michael says he. Michael says he saw the biggest bear he's ever seen here, on our road, today.
4: On your road.
0: On our road today, the biggest black bear he's ever seen, and he has had a bear fall on him. Okay. He right. was picking blackberries, and there was a bear up above picking blackberries. And oh. I guess the bear weighed a little too much, and the rock, the bear was standing on, gave way, and the bear fell
4: on me. Oh, my goodness. But it was
0: hard to know, he said, who was more frightened. <laughs> but they managed to get away from each other as rapidly as possible.
4: <laughs> nice. Oh fine. that's a fun <laughs> uh,
0: so watch your step when you're picking blackberries. You never can tell who'll drop in.
4: Wow. Do ever bother the the bears ever bother the goats? Do they ever like mess with the barn or anything? No,
0: absolutely not. Oh I was warned by all of the old timers when I moved here that there were mountain lions and that I had to really be careful about the mountain lions. The D E C department of environmental conservation says, You all are nuts. There aren't any mountain lions in your area. (laughs) <laughs> Not here, but in a place where I was also told by the EC there are no mountain lions. I saw prints.
4: Yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah, so, wow. Okay. All
4: right. I don't know.
0: right. Uh, but no, I have n- never in Costa Rica. Yeah.
4: Mm.
0: In in Costa Rica, Re- Costa Rica, the the. Uh, lions the puma come after the the goats for sure
4: oh interesting wow 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 i'm glad we only have to deal with you know things for the chickens nothing really tries to get in our barn for the goats they don't well from what i've been told there's no real natural predators here but
0: right mm-hmm. right the predators Both, but... would would be some kind of big cat
4: mhm Interesting.
0: And those well, are probably, you know, long since pushed out of their homes.
4: Yeah. Yeah. We're like you. We have the, the tails that they're around and people say that they've seen prints. I did see something about a bobcat being sighted in the area. So I you know I've I mean, seen I pictures of seen
0: bobcat bobcat in our area for sure. But a goat is a little much for a bobcat.
4: I think so, yeah. <laughs> that would just be a big, big, <laughs> Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Maybe not like a goat kid.
4: Right. Certainly not
0: An old an yeah. goat couldn't uh, be preyed upon, I think, by a, a cat that small. Right. What else do you want to share tonight before we get into questions?
4: Oh, goodness. Um well I think I that's it for me. But thank you. All right.
0: Do we have any questions?
4: All right. I see lots of callers and no hands yet, so let me remind everyone that if you have a question and would like to speak live with Susan this evening, all you need to do is press one. That will get your hands raised in the queue, and when it is your turn, we'll open your line for questions, so you can ask your question by announcing your area code. So I see one hand that has gone up and pressed one, and you are calling in from the 217 area code. From the 217, you are live with Susan.
1: Good evening, Susan. This is Jackie and Echo. Hi, Jackie. Hi, Echo. (laughs) Are you home? Yes we are. We beat the snow. It was a fourteen hour drive, but we decided that we were gonna beat the snow home and we're glad we did. Oh ho ho.
0: Good run,
1: right. yeah. Right. We had such a wonderful time. I can't thank you enough. I just love your property. I can hear the women laughing and singing again. Jackie just-
0: and Echo, we're here for the workshops this weekend. We had a really fun time.
1: Yes, we did and learned even more. You know, Susan, I've been studying and reading your books and following your guidelines for 30 years, and what a wonderful opportunity to be able to come learn even more. Just the more you hear the stories, the more you learn. And thank you for your story, medicine.
0: You are welcome and thank you and, yeah, and uh, oh, for all the stories that you shared too. Uh,
1: thank you. Well, I guess that's it. We wanted to let you know that we were home and thank you and just have a wonderful time and I look forward to seeing you in, in May, uh, in physical at uh Linda Conroy's Midwest uh women's gathering, the end of May. Yay yay. Yeah, so, yay. Uh, yeah,
0: Remember, it's going to be me and Justine and Monica Jean at the Midwest Women's Herbal Conference, and I suggested that you could just refer to us as Sujumo.
1: Sujumo? Come so join the Sujumo, Sujumo, I'm Sujumo because I'm coming in. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Monica. Uh. She has gotten so tall, and just she just knows it. She, you know, she knows what you're doing. It's just yep. wonderful. Yes, yes, it is. It so was, I'm going to be there. <laughs> That's your thing. Monica Jean and her friend um,
0: came to Moon Lodge.
1: Yes. Is it that little girl with her? Oh well she's not a girl, she's a young woman and her energy was just amazing. Along with everybody else. What a moon lodge, Susan. It just like everybody left their hearts out and the singing and the dancing. It, just marvelous. Just marvel, it really
0: huh? is. I am so privileged to get to be the one who says, oh, come and gather here so that I
5: mm-hmm.
1: always
0: um, have no excuse for missing it.
1: Yeah. And just like when we went to camp, the big the big circles that we stood in in camp, it was so wonderful. And I'm telling everybody that you're going in for the intensive, come, come. You yeah, know, come spend a week and uh, really immerse yourself and invest in, you know, your health and in your wise woman. So. Yeah. 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 All right, my darling, you have a great right. night. We're gonna finish supper and I'll see you on the moonbeams. See in the moonbeams. And hi, on the moonbeams. The hey. there's yeah. Echo. Love you, Echo. Oh and Sarah, I'm still hoping to get up and see you on the nineteenth and then we can go see Linda. So oh, Love God. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk. See yep. you soon, little yeah. sister. Blessings. All right. Bless you. There we go.
4: All right, and I am not seeing a hand raised, so I will remind everyone if you have a question and would like to speak live with us in this evening, please press one and then we will see your hand go up in the queue and I will announce your area code when it is your turn to ask a question. Uh, we do have one question that was emailed in. If you want to go to that, I can Let's do that open that sure. up. Yeah. Okay, all right. Hi Susan, herbal question. I have a cat with asthma-like symptoms relieved with steroids. He has random attacks of coughing like a hairball, but it's not a hairball. I have a new vet and they are not willing to give steroids anymore. Do you have any herbal suggestions?
5: Most
0: animals, cats included are very happy to drink herbal infusions, herbal teas, if it's mixed with milk. So I would ask your cat if it was willing to drink any of the herbal infusions or teas that are helpful for the lungs. Cats, in general, don't do well with tinctures. Some cats even have a kind of crazy reaction to tinctures where they foam at the mouth. And if you give a cat like that a tincture, it's really scary. It feels like something really, really bad is going to happen to the cat. Um, and I don't think that they die from it. I have never seen a cat get into terrible trouble from it, but it looks bad, and so I do my best not to give cats tinctures, but if I have to, then I make sure that it's just a tiny amount, and then it's in some milk or yogurt. And the reason that I bring up tinctures is because O'Sha is a root, a perennial root, that is generally used in tincture form and it stops breathing problems immediately. So if someone is in, say, anaphylactic shock or going toward anaphylactic shock and their breathing is shutting down, a small amount of osher for a grown person You only need three or four drops of OSHA, so for a cat, even a single drop diluted in, say, a quarter of a cup of milk and then fed to the cat by the tablespoonful, I hope would be enough to relieve that asthmatic symptom that the cat has and get the cat breathing and okay again. I hear your distress at not being able to get the remedy that you've had such good results with. Sometimes we can use something like that to our advantage because we are very easily habituated. And what that means is the when we've done something and gotten a certain result that we can get that result just by thinking about doing the thing they took some people into a lab for an experiment And they showed them images on a computer screen, and they had a little thing attached to their finger. And when some images showed on the computer screen, they got a mild shock. And when some images showed, they got a medium shock. And when one particular image showed, they got a really strong shock. They did this for six days in a row. They were also having their brains looked at to see what kind of activity was going on in the brain and where it was going on. And on the seventh day, they were seated in exactly the same places, at exactly the same computers, looking at the same screens with all the same setup. But they didn't actually get any shocks. However, when they saw... The image of the strong shock on the screen, their brain reacted exactly as if they had gotten that shock, turning on hormones, nerve endings, and so on. One of the more interesting things that people say to me is, well, you can tell that homeopathy works because it works for animals. And what I say "If the animal is following your intention generally when you're using something like a homeopathic, you're the one who says, oh, this remedy is going to do this, and the animal follows that lead. You and this cat have been using this remedy for a long time. Replicate it. Replicate it without the steroid. Do whatever you can to make it exactly the same. Just don't use the steroid. And I strongly suspect that you'll get very good results as well.
4: Hope this helps.
0: Green blessings.
4: Wow. That was so interesting, that last part there. that I—that That is so interesting. I have lots of dogs and cats, so don't love going to the vet you know for and or continuing medicines for long periods of time um yeah that's so interesting i'm gonna if i ever try that in the future i will definitely let you know how it works in our household one of the things that i do
0: um because i'm more than occasionally injured far away from anything right I'm, I'm not, like, in a house or a vehicle or any, like, ordinary place. I'm out in the woods. Mm. And so what I do is I look at the injury and I say, arnica, 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 Hypericum, 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 And I keep doing that until the pain goes away. Wow. Because I've used these remedies so many times and so often, but my body knows how to respond to them, doesn't it?
4: Yeah, right. Wow. Right? Mm-hmm. Amazing. Our our whole beings are just so amazing. Um, We don't have (laughs) any question time, so I'll tell a quick story. Like, along those lines, I was reading today about... It reminded me about some of the things you talk about about you know if you if you're injured on the right side then you know do it on the left side or um, or envision yourself doing it even you know with the injured one when you were when you were healthier before or how you want to become um, what you want your situation to be and just envision that so this took it into another, like the same idea I think the person had an injury on one hand and um, actually it was their foot and so they sat in a chair and then they had a sliding closet mirror door and they put the hurt foot behind the mirror where they couldn't see it and they put the good foot in front of the mirror they were sitting in a chair and then when the functioning foot was there in the mirror it reflected in the mirror as if it was the other foot so it looked like two functioning feet were there in the mirror so the person did the exercises with the fully functioning foot and when they did that watched the mirror and envisioned that being the other foot at the same time sizes to the best their ability with the foot behind the mirror and afterwards the foot from behind the mirror was the same color and no longer swollen like it had been before. It was so amazing.
0: I don't remember the name of the doctor who actually I think started this, but he was working with amputees. And mm. one, of the, one of the big problems is phantom pain. And I I know this secondhand because I traveled with an amputee who had a lot of phantom pain. He would sometimes wake up in the morning screaming and raging because he would dream that he was running. And he would wake up and he would think that he had two legs and then he would realize he didn't and where that leg wasn't would just be like a mass of agony because of his upset right and so mm-hmm. this this doctor somehow figured out to do just like what you were saying but you're doing it when there's not another leg but you still have the mirror so it gives the brain the image because what he figured out was that the phantom pain was actual pain
4: mm. Wow.
0: The wow. Room was, but the pain was real because the body was sending a signal to the leg to do something, and it wasn't. So the body just kept sending the signal over and over and over and over again and jamming this, this whole thing up.
4: So fascinating. So fascinating. And, like, you had and when,
5: when
0: they put the Sorry. mirror and made the brain see there were two, as though there were two legs, right? Because easily fool yourself then right. the phantom then it relieves yeah. the phantom pain
4: gosh that is just wow our bodies and our whole being so amazing right and so one of the
0: things that I have said is that if you can have phantom pain in the phantom limb then you can also if things have been surgically removed you can have phantom, whatever those things are. Mm. I didn't, I wasn't prepared for the real sense of loss that I felt about the cutting parts of my spine off, cutting off my coccyx and half of my sacrum and my sit bones. I was not ready for how really psychically devastated I was by that. I mean, to the point where if somebody said tailbone or toxics, I would burst into tears. Oh. And I said, well, wait a second, you know, if there's phantom limbs and phantom pain, then you can have a phantom tailbone, honey. And it doesn't have to be painful. You just have a phantom thing rather than saying, oh, poor me, look what they took away, I don't have this anymore, just say, well, you know, lucky me, I have a phantom one.
4: Oh, that's so beautiful. Love yeah, that.
0: it really, really has helped a lot, a lot. So fortunately I didn't need a mirror.
4: Either that or twist a lot. <laughs> uh, did you have a favorite uh, well, Halloween
0: costume when you were growing up?
4: Oh, my gosh. That's so funny that you asked that question. Um, so I had a favorite and then, well, I had a first that I remember and, and, like, a first from when I was really little that I won a prize for. But the first one that I picked that I remember picking interesting enough, and that, like, I can remember my um, pictures of, I was a witch, and my face was green, and I was just, you know, a black outfit, and I was a witch, um, but my favorite um, was this costume that was, like, an I Dream of Jeannie costume, and it was just, like, Barbara Eden's costume, you know, like, with the thin oh veil and the balloon pants, and my hair was, like, up and up ponytail on top of my head with like you know the satin pink cup thing around it and um I had makeup on even though I was only probably like 10 years old I just oh I loved it that was my favorite <laughs> how about you
0: Well you know I really enjoyed every Halloween costume that I wore and when I was a child, there weren't pre-made costumes. You made yourself, with your parents' help usually, some generic costume. There, there, you weren't Spider-Man, or not that I have anything against Spider-Man. Spider-Man's wonderful. But you weren't any of these cartoon characters. You know that I often troll. Stores during this time of the year because it's a pretty good time to find green witches. Hmm. <laughs> I this year has been pretty sparse on green witches, but I did find three green witches in yoga poses, which was quite the find. And Justine found a kitchen towel, one of which is the most glorious purple, and the other of which has a, a green witch, or at least her feet. It's one of those, oh, you know, it's, has the witch flown into something? But that's okay. Mm. <laughs> They're <laughs> green. We know that they have the right attitude. <laughs> and I was surprised to see how many of the costumes were licensed costumes. Hmm. So, there, you know, we were like hobos or witches or ghosts or doctors or, you know, whatever. We were right, engineers. That's
4: what, yeah, we were still that, too. I think that's one of the reasons I was so excited about that costume. I borrowed it from someone, and someone had handmade it for her. Um, right. and cause it wasn't store bought and neither was my, the witch, I'm sure we bought the hat, but it was mostly just, you know, black stuff, paint your face and yeah, do some like spraying your hair. Like I remember that was always a big thing, spraying colors in my hair. <laughs> <laughs> my mom sewed when I was little, so she made the costume that I won a prize for. I was a rabbit. That was really fun. Cause I was like a head to toe Rabbit.
0: <laughs> oh, how perfect!
4: I mean, yeah, she made the boots and the head hat with the big ears and everything. So that one, I kept that for a long time just to play with the dolls and stuff because I was only two when I wore it. So that was a oh part. my. gosh. <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: So what's what is the point? of dressing up in costumes. Why are we trick-or-treating? What is going on here? You know, it, 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 somebody once said, oh, I love Halloween. as one, one of the only really secular holidays. I'm like, "Uh, well, excuse me, just because you don't know what it's about. <laughs> Wait
4: a minute. <laughs> <laughs> the,
0: the interviews that I did last night um, was for... um a um, Wise Guides blog talk series, and I ended the show by singing a harvest song because their theme for the month is harvest. Hoof and horn, hoof and horn All oh, the, day the merry Corn
1: and grain, corn and grain Oh, the souls will rise again, hoof and horn, hoof and horn,
5: all the days will be reborn, corn and grain, corn and grain, oh, the souls will rise again.
0: Hmm. So we go into the dark, we allow ourselves to go into the deep. And nourishing dark. And we don't have to find anything. It's not required to learn anything. It's okay to sleep without dreams.
4: Oh. That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, was there anything else you wanted to share about Halloween um, before we do? Uh, I do see a hand that's gone up with a question.
0: Let's take the hand.
4: All right. From the 615, we see your hand and your line is open. You are live with Susan.
0: Hello. Hello. Hi. Thanks for
5: calling. Uh, I called uh, last week and uh, calling again uh, with additional question. Okay. Uh, I've seen a doctor about my pelvic pain, and they said maybe it's UTI, and I wanted to ask if you can recommend something for UTI treatment. Other they than, think maybe it's
0: a urinary tract infection and they want yeah. to give you some antibiotics to take care of that.
5: Mm-hmm. They said that uh, um, if, uh, if it's UTI, they, they got a sample for a test. If it's UTI, then we'll... Uh, Prescribe antibiotics.
0: And so, did they do a test?
5: Uh, urine test? Yes, I, I only did it today, but I don't know the result. Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: So, urinary tract infections are very, very common. And there are quite a few ways to help to relieve them at home. Mm -hmm. Two that seem to be especially successful are to increase the amount of fluid that you are consuming so that you have to go to the bathroom about every hour. Mm-hmm. You really want to try to get a lot of fluid going through your bladder, because the bacteria that cause urinary tract infections have to link together to cause trouble. And the thought is that if you're peeing a lot and drinking a lot, they won't be able to do that.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: If. Much of what you're drinking is cranberry juice. That seems to increase the effectiveness because the cranberry juice itself helps to prevent the bacteria from linking together. When the bacteria link together, it's called a biofilm. And Mm -hmm. that's one of the reasons why antibiotics are used, because it's difficult to get rid of biofilms without antibiotics, but cranberry does it. So if you have access to cranberry juice, and best if it's not sweetened, But even if it's sweetened, you can use it. If it's sweetened, what I usually suggest is that you dilute it because you're going to be drinking a lot. Then you can easily dilute the cranberry juice so that you're not getting so much sugar from the cranberry juice. And it will still be effective, even diluted. What's really important is that it, coming in frequently that the fluid and the cranberry juice are there over and over again. The great thing about taking care of yourself at home is you don't have to wait for the test to come back. Because if it turns out that you don't have a urinary tract infection and you've been drinking cranberry juice, well, there's just not any problem at all now, is there? And oh, yeah. it may, it may, hello, it may be the thing that helps you be able to clear this without having to take antibiotics, which most of us want to do.
5: Mhm. I tried to drink cranberry juice. It's uh, unsweetened, and uh, it seems like it helped. I Use 60 milliliters for one glass of water. And
0: how often are you drinking that? Once a day. Once a day.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: What I am saying is that it would be better for you to dilute that into 10 glasses of water and drink some every hour. hmm It's not a drug. You can take a drug once, and it will work for hours. You can't do that with foods and herbs. You have to take them over and over and over and over again. What's really important and what's going to be effective is the repetition, not the amount. The amount is much less important than doing it every hour because the bacteria are doing their best to create a biofilm. And you want to counter that. And the best way to counter that is to drink some cranberry juice, even if it's very diluted, that's absolutely fine, on an hourly basis.
5: I see. Thank you. And I also read in your book about Uva Ursi, I believe, and marshmallow root. Should I also try them to...
0: Uva uh, Ursi, do you have Uva Ursi right now?
5: Right now, no, but I thought... So oh,
0: my, what is important to me is that you start doing something okay. now. As soon as we hang up now, the sooner we start using herbs, the more effective they will be. It's Mm -hmm. one of the ways that we have an advantage. We don't want to give someone strong drugs if we don't know exactly what's wrong for them. So we let them be sick while we wait for the test results. With herbal medicine and home care, we don't have to wait for the test results. We can start getting healthier right away, and that's what causes them to have to prescribe antibiotics because they've already let the infection get too bad while they're waiting for the test results. And that's why we can often avoid taking antibiotics because we start treatment right away without waiting for the test results. I'm not against test results. I'm just saying, let's not wait.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: There's no advantage yeah. to waiting. Oh, and there's a big advantage to doing something now.
5: Mm-hmm. And
0: you don't have an uva right now, and that's fine. And if you often get urinary tract infection, or if you just want to order it in case this other stuff doesn't work and you'll have something to fall back on, I'm not against that. But if you order it and wait for it, then you're doing... Exactly what the hospital is doing, what the doctors are doing, and it may not work well because you're waiting.
5: Uh, I, I'm sorry, my kids are interrupting a little. Uh, I, I got it that um, I need to start drinking ten uh, glasses of juice every every day. And, and What I would
0: like you to do is not a certain number, but every hour. But
5: every hour, yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So if you're up mm-hmm. for 10 hours and you sleep for the other 14 hours, then 10 is the right amount. But if you're up for 14 hours, then 14 is the right amount. Mm-hmm. And I should and do it every until system hour. System. And it doesn't have to be. A lot of cranberry. It can be a little cranberry in water. That's just fine. What's important is the repetition.
5: Mm-hmm. It's
0: doing it every hour is a really important part of it. Okay.
5: okay. And if I find over, or then how much I should um, use it one. How much how often?
0: I understand that most of us are mostly experienced with taking drugs. And so when it comes to herbs, we have the same questions that we do with drugs. We certainly wouldn't want to take the wrong dose of a drug. In fact, I know someone who just died because he overdosed on his own drugs because he had one of those weekly pill boxes, and instead of putting a pill in Monday for, it was a monthly one. Instead of putting, you know, four pills for Monday for four weeks, he put it for every day of the week. And, told, and, and actually died from the overdose. So I understand that, the, that we really need to know these things with drugs. However, let me say again, herbs aren't drugs. How much uva ursa you take isn't really critical. There are herbalists working right now in the United States who never, use more than three drops of any tincture. Mm -hmm. There are herbalists who are trained in, say, England who are told that the starting dose of most tinctures is a teaspoonful. That's Mm -hmm. a really big difference, isn't it? Mm -hmm. (coughs) And yet... Both are getting good results. I'm interested in people's relationships with plants. That we, if we're going to use Uva Ursi, that we start by taking a small amount and we see what our response is. I was curious about the pain-relieving effects of California poppy. And someone suggested that um, this particular brand would be good, so I bought it, and it said take a dropper full. And I took a dropper full several times, and I didn't get very much pain relief from it, so I kind of set it aside. And at some point, I was talking to someone about this experience. She said, oh, we well, you just took way too much, you know. And then she looked at me and she left. And she said, you're the one who always tells people, just start with a little bit and work up. You can always add more. She said, and I really find the California works much better at the smallest possible dose.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: So... If we are trying to use herbs instead of drugs, then we will act the way we do when we're working with drugs. We will wait until we have a specific diagnosis rather than to jumping into action immediately, as I'm suggesting. We will use a specific dose of the herb rather than being in relationship with it. And we will treat our cells and our bodies as though they are misbehaving and we have to uh, make them behave rather than working with our bodies and with the herbs to bring ourselves to a place of more pleasure or ease so <laughs> start start with a, a small dose if
1: you're going to work Uva,
0: but repeat that dose every five to ten minutes until you really feel like something is happening. And a small dose could be five drops. And or sit with the plant, sit with the bottle of the tincture, sit with an image of the plant and move into relationship with it and get a sense of what you're being told. What what kind of image are you getting from this plant? Is the plant saying, oh, just a few drops will work? Is the plant saying, you know, lay it on? There certainly are plants that I use in very lavish amounts. And, again, what's really fun about herbal medicine is all of that works. It's not like if you do it wrong it won't work. Any way you do it is likely to work.
5: Thank you. I'm still uh, learning how to build
4: relationships.
5: Okay. Thank you for explaining. You're welcome.
0: Thank you for asking. I would like to Ask you if you call back again um, because I'm interested to know what they find yeah. out with the test, mm-hmm. and I'm interested to know how you're doing.
5: Mm-hmm. I remember uh, vitamin, vitamin C also helped me uh, relieve symptoms. How much do you think I can take? Uh, if how I much do, vitamins? I need to take?
0: You're saying that vitamin C does what?
5: It helps me relieve symptoms.
0: I had no idea. I'm not a druggist, so I don't know anything about drugs. And vitamin C is a drug. So suppose you were to say to me, I find that orange juice helps. How much orange juice could I drink, Susan? Well, you probably wouldn't ask me that, would you? Because your body would know how much orange juice would be good for you. That's the problem with drugs. Mm -hmm. It's that our bodies don't know because we don't give them a hint. Mm -hmm. What I do know is that because ascorbic acid, which is what you're calling vitamin C,
5: uh,
0: because ascorbic acid is basically not the human body. It does in urination. And if you're asking how much vitamin C could your body use, I have certainly sat in labs where we've given people a thousand milligrams of vitamin C and then Retained you know, gotten their first urination after giving them the vitamin C, and usually uh, between ninety to ninety five percent of that is in the urine, between nine hundred to nine hundred and fifty milligrams of ascorbic acid is in the urine, hmm. so I don't know how much you have to take in order to body to get rid of it. Most people think of vitamin C as fairly harmless. And certainly, in an individual time, it would be fairly harmless. Unfortunately, when ascorbic acid or any other uh, synthetic supplement is taken on a regular basis, we find that doses of 300 milligrams of ascorbic acid or higher on a daily basis for over two years increases the rate of type 2 diabetes. That's
5: interesting. Uh, can you please share? Uh, so if you're just doing it
0: more about because it increases urination, there's certainly nothing wrong with that. And you would know better than I, which would be appropriate
5: one, one, one uh, I don't take it regularly, but my husband does, and uh, I wanted to, to learn more about the vitamin c uh my, Well, the
0: first thing thing that to me is really important is that we understand that vitamin C is, like all vitamins, a complex of many different things. There's about a hundred different things in real vitamin C. When you take ascorbic acid, you are not taking vitamin C. Yes, it's allowed to be labeled vitamin C. I understand, but it is not vitamin C Mhm. Vitamin C is only available from food. There is no mm-hmm. vitamin C in any kind of pill, and there could never be
5: Mhm but vitamin vitamin C is
0: very. Vitamin C is very ubiquitous in plants. In general, however, the role of vitamins in human nutrition is critical, but not at high amounts. Without vitamin C, we have a disease called scurvy. And scurvy was the aids of previous generations, especially sailors, if they didn't have access to any fresh food. But a healthy adult human being only needs 60 milligrams of vitamin C a day to be healthy. A tiny amount. The amount in two leaves...
5: Yes, I only uh, using it in larger than that amount when I'm feeling uh, unwell, like I'm cold. <laughs> but usually trying I, to get it I, I hear you.
0: And vitamin C has a very well established placebo effect. I'm so, you know. I'm distressed often when I hear people taking vitamin C when they feel unwell as though they're taking vitamin C because you're not taking vitamin C, you're taking ascorbic acid. And is that ascorbic acid having any effect on your body's ability to be well? Absolutely not. But that's okay. You believe in it, it's going to work for you. Right, The placebo effect is very well established. In fact, that's kind of what brought ascorbic acid to its prominence is um, Linus Pauling, who wanted to research the placebo effect and decided that he would use ascorbic acid because it had so little effect of its own. And unfortunately, what happened is that after his death, people thought he actually believed in vitamin C. Real vitamin C. Real vitamin C, as found in food, is critical for good immune system functioning. Ascorbic Mm -hmm. acid found in pills and sold as vitamin C has little or no effect on the immune system or our ability to be well. So I hope that when you want some vitamin C you will say to yourself, oh yes, vitamin C doesn't come in a pill. What fresh thing is growing outside that I'm going to go and eat because I want to improve my immune system in eating any fresh thing that's growing outside or some sauerkraut, which is loaded with real vitamin C, which do amazing things for me, your immune system.
5: Yes, I know sauerkraut um, every couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Much, much
0: better. Much better than ascorbic acid pills. Real vitamin
5: C I that your body can actually use. In the past, I also used uh, uh, more vitamins in uh, supplement form, but then moved away from this to natural.
0: Uh. All right. Thanks for asking green blessings. Good night.
5: Thank you very much, and have a good evening. And
4: just go back. All Mm -hmm. right. Good night. Bye, Susan. All right. looks like we have um, Paula from the 239 area code that has pushed one. I am opening your line in the 239 area code. You're live with Susan.
3: Hi, Susan. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, what's up? Um, My question is about sourdough starter. Okay. I just started one. So I didn't have a starter from somebody else, but I, I uh, used the uh, recipe from Nourishing Traditions. But it, it doesn't seem to be bubbling and growing, so I'm not sure what I'm doing wrong. We
0: are playing with yeast here. And the yeast itself is very short-lived. So in order to get the yeast to hang out a little longer, we usually uh, have to allow some bacteria to be with it. There are, of course gazillions of yeast spores and bacteria floating around in the air. So the standard way to get a sourdough starter is to mix flour, water, and sugar, and let it sit out. If okay. there are insects, it can be loosely covered with, like, a cheesecloth, which will keep insects out, but will allow um, yeast spores and so on to get in. It needs to be, especially in the first couple of days, stirred and tended to, oh, you know, maybe every eight hours, first thing in the morning, middle of the day, last thing before you go to sleep. Does it Does it want more flour? Does it want more sugar? Right. How, how is it feeling? Is it warm enough? Is it in a spot that's too cold? Especially when we're getting our sourdough starter started, it is more in need of being babied, of being kept warm, of getting a lot to eat. It probably won't ever be really, really bubbly. And that's okay.
3: Okay. I, I One am. One of the getting things I like about with
0: sourdough is that I that I must learn patience.
2: Yeah.
0: I can't walk away and come back and my bread is ready to bake in half an hour to forty minutes. I might have to wait four or five hours for my bread to be risen
3: enough to bake. Patience. Yeah. The only thing I didn't add was sugar. I didn't know about the sugar oh, part. You can't do it without sugar. Okay.
0: All you have is rotten flour now. Oh. Sally, that one doesn't suggest sugar?
3: No, it just, um, in the recipe, it calls for adding equal amounts of flour, rye flour, and water for the uh-huh. first seven days and mixing it. So that's oh,
0: what I, I did. always put sugar. The yeast needs sugar. Okay. Yeah.
3: It just. <clears throat> excuse me. I am getting little bubbles per se, but it's not. You know, everything that I've researched, it grows. It, it, it grows. Um, you know, about double. It needs that sugar. To eat. Okay. So should I dump what I already did and start over if I didn't does it have sugar okay? in there? Does it smell it does okay? It doesn't smell bad. It just smells like flour, really. It doesn't have it, like flour. If a it sour. the smell is
0: fine, just add sugar to it and keep going. Okay. And maybe a little. So, then maybe a little very warm water. Okay. So the whole thing gets more warm.
3: So and the sugar, do I just add that one time, or do I keep adding every time I add flour?
0: I add either flour, water, or sugar, depending on what the starter wants.
3: Okay, got it. You have to just are, kind
0: of feel it. Those are the three ingredients, it. and I, you know I'm just right there with it. I'm like, what do you need right now? How's how's it going?
3: <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> and uh, yeah, as as you do it, it will help you tune to it. Right? There's these wonderful feedback loops, right? Yeah. And any time we're tending to something, that thing is going to help us tend to it by giving us feedback.
3: hmm How can you tell when it needs sugar? Like when you're making yours? It's not bubbly. It it's not bubbly, no, okay. it's not like
0: yogurt at all. You don't want yeast in your yogurt.
3: So if it's bubbly and not growing... That's okay?
0: That's or? absolutely fine, and if you give it more sugar, it will start to grow.
3: It will start to grow, okay. Because the
0: yeast will eat the sugar. Yeah, what I was just
3: it, confused. What makes it, it
0: bubble is the yeast eating and farting.
5: <laughs> okay.
0: So what you want is more yeast and more farts. Yeah.
3: There's, there's right. a lot of recipes that call for discarding part of that and I didn't do that because that's, that wasn't in the recipe. So now it I have it
0: doesn't matter if you throw four, any other
3: away. I have Absolutely four full fine. quart jar. And it depends and on you.
0: Some people once they got it started find that they need to use some almost daily to keep it going. I have found that my starters are a little sturdier and that often if I use them every three or four days, I keep them going. But I do keep them out where I can keep an eye on them and look at them.
3: Mm-hmm. So should I transfer what I have in my four? So I have four mason jars that are at this point, they're full because I kept adding flour and water. Should I transfer them to clean jars yeah, I, halfway? I'm, I'm clear as to why you keep
0: adding to them.
3: I was just following the recipe in the book. So I start, you so know, The recipe I, doesn't
0: have you take anything out. It's just perpetually adding?
3: <laughs> yes. That's how I understood it. I, it didn't say anything about taking out. I don't think so. Out.
0: Okay. Usually you add back what you take out.
3: Okay. See, that so clear. at this
0: point, so you have a gallon of starter now.
3: <laughs> Pretty much.
0: Okay. That's a lot. That's um, a lot. That's a lot. That's enough to make about 1,000 loaves of bread. <laughs> so
3: I guess I can give some well, away if it's not you ruined. You could give some
0: away. Or usually I keep about a cup of starter.
3: Yeah, so I in know the other people. Keep, I know other it,
0: people who keep as much as two cups, but you don't really need to have a huge amount of starter. So my suggestion, it's totally up to you, give it away. Is just bake, just make bread with it. Okay. Put it in a big not, bowl. Even if it
3: hasn't risen
0: yet, add some sugar to it. You know, add some more flour. Like proof it. Right, don't make it it, too thick, right? Make it um, soft-proof, and then add some kind of oil and some salt, more flour, and knead it, and then let it proof again, and then form it up. Okay. By letting it proof twice before you form it into loaves, you'll get a better sourdough loaf because you'll get more yeast growth.
1: The yeah. oil, the the
0: oil and the salt, of course, are the hard things for the yeast. The yeast doesn't like the oil or the salt, so you never let them in your sourdough starter. So okay. usually, what I do is I take my starter, I add my hot water, my liquid, whatever I'm going to use. As long as there's no salt and no fat in it, I'll often use vegetable broth warmed a vegetable broth, I stir that, you know, stir my starter into it with flour and some more sugar until I have, oh, like a dough, like the consistency of um, what you're going to pour into the pan to make cornbread. And I'll let that rise. Mm -hmm. And that will give me a sense of how active the starter is. I call it waking up the starter. I'm waking up my starter. When that's woken up, I take a cup of it and put it in a jar and set it aside before I add oil and salt. And that's all I do. I never do much of anything else. Once my starter is established, I don't have to do much with it.
3: Okay. You know, don't have to keep feeding it
0: every day. I just put flour and water and sugar in with it, right? And then I take a cup of that out and keep it in a, a warmish place where I can keep an eye on it. If it needs to be stirred or fed, I'll know. And, but usually I only have to do that if I don't bake again within, as I said, three or four days.
3: Okay, so you don't feed it every day. You just feed it every so often when you know I you're don't. going to need it? I don't, Okay. But
0: I do know people who do use it every day.
3: Yeah, I probably wouldn't bathe every if day. But
0: and if you don't want to use it and it needs to be fed, then you have to throw out what okay. you're adding. So right. if you have a cup and you want to add... Half a cup, then you have to throw out half a cup. Okay. So you never have more. But as I said, I don't do that because it just seems like too much work to me.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I think it's one of those things that you have to learn from somebody that knows how to do it instead of reading recipes online or even in a book. That's why I wanted to call and ask you because, um, yeah, it's, it's just one of those things. How much baking
0: have you done? How much yeast baking have you done?
3: I've been baking my own bread for a couple of years. Uh, but you okay. know, just so the the recipe. Yeah, just just the uh, or yeah, the instant. So use, what I'm you talking know, about ones.
0: is familiar yes. to you. You probably made bread the way I've just described it.
3: Yes. Yeah. Just never the sourdough, and I never made a starter but, before, so I just wasn't sure. Like you know, exactly, just didn't really understand what I was doing. A hundred percent.
0: Right. So think of making bread and you're just taking a little bit of that bread dough before you've added the oil and salt and saved it to start your next bread. Yeah. Got and it. If, you keep it, if you keep it nice, it'll, the yeast will survive, right? Yeast to survivors.
3: Mm-hmm. And do you just add like a, Teaspoon of sugar, just a little bit, or do you just play it by ear? And well, speed? I only
0: am ha- only keeping a cup of starter, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I make just adding tiny bits of stuff. To- a little bit. If I have to okay. add anything, and most of the time I'm not adding anything to it. Most of the time, it's going in the bowl, and it's getting woken up, and then some of that goes back in the jar for so the next time I want to bake. The only time I have to give it anything is if something comes up like I'm gone for four days. I'm gonna feed it before I go and I'm gonna feed it as soon as I get back.
3: Mm Mhm. And you never put it in the refrigerator? You just leave it out?
0: You can put it you can put it in the refrigerator, sure.
3: I can't stay out on the counter. You
0: can. It won't do anything bad to it. Yeah. Yeast just slows down at cold temperatures, right? Okay. So it's like a kind of suspended animation.
3: Yeah. yeah. I'm going to add the sugar tomorrow. It's how you can buy
0: frozen pizza dough. Mm-hmm. Take it out, fire it out, spread it in the pan, and poof, the yeast wakes up. Right. You can't do it wrong. I mean, even if you threw it all out, we're talking about flour and water here.
3: Right. Yeah. Not right. a big I mean, deal.
0: It's really, it's not a big deal. Right? Make some mistakes, right? Work yeah. with it. Have fun.
3: Definitely. It seems like a lot of friends are going to be getting some starter.
0: There you go. Now that I know, when, when, <laughs> when I taught bread baking, I taught people half a dozen ways to start their bread, including using hops. And Instead hops, berries, hop flowers have a very strong natural yeast. Obviously, so does elderflower, right? Have you ever made the elderflower champagne?
3: And opened one of those
0: bottles and had a geyser. That's from yeast. That's from yeast. That's on the elderflowers. Okay. So wild, there are wild yeasts all around you, and lots of ways to get them into your bread. And I'm so excited that you are exploring sourdough.
3: Me too. This is finally. <laughs> I've been wanting to do this for a long time, but I kept putting it off. So I'm, I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah, hopefully I'll be able to bake soon. I mean, once I start adding the sugar, do you think I have to wait another seven days or so? Does it take no. time or- Wait, no, wait, what's the seven,
0: you don't have to wait seven, I'm not sure what's with the seven days, but ignore it.
3: Okay. <laughs>
0: there is no magic in seven days,
3: nothing yeah, important is in happening seven days, in seven days,
0: nothing is going to occur in seven days, it won't occur in two days. Okay. Either you'll catch the yeast, either you'll catch the wild yeast, and it will happily grow, or you won't, and waiting longer won't do anything at all. Yeah.
3: Right? Yeah. All right. Once it's
0: it's yeasty, once it's ready to go, it's really ready to go. And waiting will just cause the yeast to die. Mm
3: Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: They don't live long, yeah. those yeasts, right? That's why they make the bread rise, because they are eating and farting and growing and reproducing. But if you let the bread rise too long, what happens?
3: It just gets thin and full of bubbles, right? It's the It's dying. Oh, it starts dying.
0: The yeast is yeah. dying. Right? And where you had yeast, now you have bloop. hmm
3: Because the yeast just died. Yeah.
0: So if you have live yeast at two days and you wait seven days, I'll guarantee you got dead yeast. hmm Unless you've been tending to it and feeding it and giving it stuff. Yeah. And it's that... It's that play between the flour and the sugar that okay. gives you just the right mix of yeast and bacteria. Okay. And that's why, that's why it can't be a recipe because we don't know what wild yeast you are going to get hold of.
3: Right. Right. Maybe there's not enough yeast in my environment.
0: That is also
3: possible. Because it's all... I don't know. It's it's like it's new construction where I live, so nobody's even ever lived or baked bread in my kitchen. You have. I have, yeah. You have. <laughs> but maybe not enough here. There should be yeah. yeast in
0: the air from the fact that you have baked. Yeah. But, yes, you know, Stephen Booner says that it used to be when a couple got married, the wedding presents were all the yeast and bacterias and ferment starters that they would need for their life together. Wow. You should have been given a sourdough starter as a wedding present.
3: Wow, yeah. Well, thank you, Susan. I'm I'm really happy that I got to talk to you about this and got to learn from you and experiment. And I look forward to my first loaf. Me too.
0: Thanks for calling. Green blessings. Green
3: blessings. Bye
0: bye.
4: Bye bye. All right. And I'm not seeing any more hands in the queue. Um, we've got about 28 minutes left um, till the show ends.
0: Well, as I said, what we're going to do is we are going to take this time to create a sacred space. However, while we've been talking, I opened a package. It's a package of books. And here is the Cookbook of Shadows by Melanie Markey. Thank you, Melanie, for writing all these fun recipes for the Wheel of the Year. And here is the Magical Herb Compendium with Correspondence to Spells and Meditations by Aurora. How, yes, lovely, 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 uh by herb alphabetical by herb very nice and wellness witchery by laurel woodwork a magical approach to nourishing body mind and spirit oh my it certainly sounds very wise woman doesn't it (laughs) She wants you to nourish your homeless. However, oh dear, 80 essential oil blends, oh well, not for me. (laughs)
4: Uh, uh, All right.
0: Today is Halloween. Tomorrow is the Day of the Dead. Please give yourself this opportunity to... Find, create, be at a sacred space. And in that sacred space, whether it is small or large, I know it fits you just right. Bring mm-hmm. there in your imagination or in reality anything that reminds you or calls forth those who are no longer with you in their bodies. They are with you in your memories. They are with you in spirit. And they are especially with you. Tonight and tomorrow is the veil between the world's sins. And for this one period, it is acceptable for the living and the dead to dance together. To be together again. Make an altar. Dream a dream. Dance a dance. Raise toast. Honor all of those you love. Who have gone beyond. 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 Dream blessings. And good night.